The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Good morning. How we doing? Yeah? Happy Easter. We're like clap happy this morning. It's kind of fun. Some of us are like, I don't know how to clap, you know. That's all right. You just take two hands, put them together. It's awesome. Um, happy Easter. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, as Trinity said, uh, we'd love for you to fill out one of those guest cards, connect cards, and drop it in one of the giving stations on your way out so we can get some information to you about who we are. Um, thank you so much for a great spring spectacular yesterday. It was awesome. I did too. I forgot to put sunblock on. You know, it's kind of one of those things, you, you know, Moms, you tell your boys, put sunblock on. When we grow up, we become men who don't put sunblock on. And uh, that's what happens. And so uh, thank you so much for all of, uh, all of the, the effort that went into yesterday. And everyone who volunteered and served, I thank you so much. And thank you so much. We have uh, our core of our church is what we call our membership. It's the core team. They are serving and all over this facility. So thank you to everyone uh, for making this weekend so awesome. Um, we try to really not do anything out of the ordinary for Easter than who we really are. Um, but I did break that tradition this morning. And so I know I've shocked a lot of you. I'm wearing a tie. Look at that. <laughs> you are welcome. But I'm staying with my jeans. And next week, this shirt is back to untucked. Because I'm telling you, this doesn't... I, 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 feel, I feel vulnerable um, in this moment. But I can breathe. I'm not muffin topping on my neck, which is good. So anyway, that's the only thing out of the ordinary that we try to do. Because uh, we believe that God's given us a mission that's very clear. And, and the way we accomplish that, um, I believe he's given it to us in a, a simple form. But we want to see God glorified by lives changed by the gospel, by the message of Jesus. And the gospel is this, that Jesus is fully God, fully man. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. And he walked a hill that we call Calvary. You'll see it referred to as Golgotha in Scripture, but we call it Calvary. And he laid his life down on the cross. No man took it from him. He freely gave his life. He was placed in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, Easter Sunday, he walked victoriously out of that tomb. That's good news because of the life that we have as a result of that. And God gets glory when lives are changed by the gospel, by that message. I can also tell you that, that the gospel continues to transform lives even after, after we're saved or transformed. However, if you grew up in church, you've heard all kinds of terms around it, born again, saved, becoming a Christian, um, uh, transformed, regeneration, whatever it is you've heard growing up, God gets glory from it when he makes life new. And then he also continues to make life new and sustain that life. I've been walking with the Lord for a while, but God has dramatically changed my life in the five years since we launched the creek. And I believe that he's, he's called us to glorify himself with that message. And the way we do that, here's the filter we run everything through. We want to love people and make Jesus clear. If it doesn't do those two things, we don't want to do it. Um, spring spectacular. If it didn't help us love people and make Jesus clear, we, we're not going to do a big event like that. We don't want to do a big event just to do a big event. There's purpose behind it. And that's, that's why we come together every week. And that's why Easter means so much to us because it's, it's, it, this is the time that we remember that Jesus walked from that tomb and bringing the gospel to fruition in our life. And when we submit our life into that message, when we submit our life to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become new. And I love that God does make all things new. 
And so I, today we're going to talk about the cross, and we're going to talk about some famous last words that Jesus shared on the cross and how we find our life in those words. But I want to start with the end in mind. I, I really love reading the resurrection story, and I'm going to read that to you from Matthew 28. And uh, they're going to put it on the screens, and you can follow along. Now, just so you know, um, there's just a few weekends a year I'll put Scripture on the screen for you to follow along. And we're going to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today. So if you've got your Bible, you can follow along with me. If you want to go to just that section of the first four books of the Bible, that's the four Gospels. Um, It's not different stories. It's just these four authors are writing something from their perspective. It's like a man watching, we like watching movies, and it's like watching an explosion in a movie, and we can't just see it from one angle. We've got to see it from many angles, right? Because guys, we like stuff like that. At least I hope you do. Um, The gospel accounts are that. It's four different perspectives and angles on the cross, and it's sharing what's going on. But in Matthew, I love the resurrection account in Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, we, we, we love the resurrection story, but we can't have the resurrection without the cross. There can be no resurrection without the death. And I want to look at some famous last words of Jesus on the cross and where our life, uh, where we may find our life in those words And so as you're kind of getting your Bibles ready and going to those sections of Scripture, um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some at the back for you if you you need to borrow one. Or if you don't own one, then take that. That's our gift for you. Or if you have a smartphone, you can follow along on a a free app called YouVersion. It's called Y-O-U Version. It's free. And we put our notes in there. You've got the fill-in sheets on the back of your worship guide. And we put those online for those of you who are tech-savvy. in getting ready for this message, I started thinking about some famous last words, and I love movies. I love watching movies. Um, Sunday afternoon is my favorite time to watch movies, and I like watching movies I've seen, uh, Heather says, 150 times. And I'll lay on the couch, because Sunday afternoons, I'm pretty much done. I mean, I just want to uh, lay down. I, wanna, I want my eyes to glaze over. I want to get an epic nap, and then I want to watch a movie. And I like watching movies that I know what's going to happen. She'll walk through the, through the room and go, you've seen this like 150 times. Why do you keep watching it? Because I don't have to think about anything. Okay, I can watch this completely zoned out and wonder, is she going to die? I know she dies. You know, is that, is that, is that going to happen? I know what's going to happen. So I can completely zone out and be entertained. It's, it's this incredible gift I have. Um, but I, I was thinking about some, some movies and famous last words of people in the movies. And, and I want to share a couple with you. The first one is, is live long and prosper. 
That's a spot from Star Trek II, which was the best one. I remember crying in that movie so much because they played Amazing Grace on the back. Never mind. Anyway, um, but that's my tribute to to Leonard Nimoy. Um, Another one. See if you can guess this movie. Never go in against a Sicilian, especially when death is on the line. Just shout it out. Princess Bride. Yeah, you guys are going to heaven, man. Um, So, okay, I got to keep going. That was Vicini, by the way. Um, One movie that you've probably not seen in its entirety, you've caught pieces of it when it comes on TV because it's one of those movies that, I mean, you feel like you need to stop for a dinner break during the movie, but it's Braveheart, you know, William Wallace, and we've all seen parts of that movie. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it beginning to end, but, but William Wallace's famous last words, he's laying there, and they, they, his, his, his people that fight with him are trying to get his last words to be mercy, because they're going, mercy will, mercy will, and that, that the intensity is building, and he's, he, he says, the prisoner wishes to speak, and what does he blurt out? Freedom! And then the axe takes his head off. If you haven't seen it, it's a spoiler alert, I'm sorry, but they're famous last words, so you had to know the movies I was talking about. These people are going to die. Um, one that always gets me that I've got to watch is Saving Private Ryan, and, and it's a tough movie to watch, but at the end, um, Captain John Miller, before he takes his last breath, pulls Private James Ryan down, and he says, earn this, and then the movie cuts to Matt Damon standing over the grave as, as Private Ryan, and he's standing on Captain Miller's grave, and he asks his wife to tell him, tell me I've been a good man. Tell me I've earned what sacrifice he paid for me. And I think a lot of us come to, to church thinking that we can earn that from God, or, or we, we kind of try to earn favor with God. And can I tell you, if that's been your struggle, just, just take a deep breath. You don't have to earn it. He gives it freely. He has already paid the sacrifice and you don't have to earn it. All you do is receive it. You just ask for it. And then because of that sacrifice, we do live a life. We are challenged to live a life that's worthy of giving him honor because of the sacrifice he gave for us. And so I want to look at some more last words. And we, last words we hang on to aren't just death. That's the most popular one, but we hang on to last words in, in breakups in major life transitions. Some of you, your famous last words, it's your last job where I quit or we're in Texas, so take this job. And you know you've wanted to say that to a boss at some point, but you, you not, most of us will never have the guts to do that. None of my staff would ever do that. I can promise you that. They love me too much. <laughs> but I want to look at these last words of Jesus. There's four phrases, and so we'll, we'll start. The first one's in, in Mark chapter 15. And I want us to find our lives in these statements that Jesus makes. This is Mark uh, 15, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, I believe in this moment, as we, as we see Jesus making this comment, God, why have you forsaken me? Because it, it's really kind of hard to get your mind around it because when you think about it, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And he said in his ministry that I and the Father are one. I only say what he tells me to say and I only do his will and we are one. So it's this idea that, that you've got God the Father, God the Son who is Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit and they are three distinct yet one 
and for and, and this perfect relationship that exists. But for this moment, Jesus is calling out to his, his father, why have you forsaken me? And we've got to understand what's going on in this moment. Because in this moment, we have the Savior of the world. We have God in the flesh who is taking on all of the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders and all of the curse that goes along with that sin. And Jesus is absorbing the full wrath of God towards sin. And, and, and God is a holy God and cannot look upon that sin. And so he turns his back as his wrath is being poured out on the cross. And Jesus is feeling the weight of that. He's feeling the, the isolation of that moment. That he had experienced a perfect relationship with, with God as his father. And that moment, he's alone. Now, I, I don't know if you felt that way where you feel isolated. I mean, I think we're the most connected generation that's ever walked the face of the earth. But we're the loneliest generation that's ever walked the face of the earth. We get ourselves in such a bubble and, and have no connection with other people. And we feel isolated. We feel alone. And you may have experienced that in a, in a, a, a maybe the marriage didn't survive. Maybe you had a child walk away from you and say, I never want to see you again. Maybe you felt that way with God. I mean, Mary and Martha in John 11 felt that with, when their brother, brother Lazarus died, Jesus shows up and they said, Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. I don't know if you've said that. I'm, I, I don't think I'm the only one that's made that cry to God, like, God, where are you? I'm hurting here. I'm struggling here and I need you. And, and here's a promise that we have from Jesus that I will never leave you or forsake you. That moment on the cross when he absorbed the entire wrath of God against sin ensures that he will never leave us or forsake us. We may go through times where we feel like God's not there, but can I tell you, here's what he shares with me. I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then another statement in John 19. There's a couple of statements in this. So those of you who like the fill-ins, you're gonna, you can, you'll read ahead. I know you. There's a couple in here that you'll, you'll pick up. John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. He's fulfilling Psalm 69, verse 21, when, when it talks about getting poisoned food and soured wine. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus is saying, I, I thirst. There's something in me. I, I, I'm lacking, and I'm exhausted, and I'm thirsty. I think this is a cry of desperation. You've got to understand, he's fully God. He could have... He could have pulled himself off of the cross. But he's dealing with being fully man, which means his flesh is giving out. See, Jesus endured a beating that most men didn't survive to even make it to the cross. We tend to think that Jesus is a little passive sissy sitting in the field holding lambs. I mean, Jesus is a, he's, he's a man, man among boys. And he endured this. He took it. And his flesh is starting to give out and he, he's, he's feeling 
his strength being dried up and his flesh being dried up. Yesterday, I, I got done with Spring Spectacular and I was thirsty. I got in my truck and I was like, I thirst. Now, I carry a water bottle. I think it's becoming my binky or something, but I carry a water bottle. I own three and I cycle them out so I can wash them, but I always have water with me. And I, I feel like I stay thirsty. And, and yesterday I got in the truck after Spring Spectacular and realized I hadn't had enough water and I was feeling a little dehydrated. And so I'm just down in water. I get home, I'm just down in water, down in water, down in water. And I can tell you, I've been that way in my spirit. I've been that way in my walk with God. Yeah, even as a pastor, I go through times where I feel like I'm dried up. And I have to call out to God and say, I, I'm thirsty. Jesus, I, I, I need you. My, my tank is empty. I've got nothing and I need you to fill me. And, and we have the truth of Hebrews 4 that we have a great high priest who is Jesus, who has faced everything we will ever face and been victorious in it. And he's that living water. Now, my, my, my family, there are some in my family, I'm not going to name who they are, but when they tell me the car is out of gas, I know the car is out of gas. It's not, hey, the light just came on. We're getting close to E. I know the needle has dropped below E. And I got in one of the cars this week when I was told that the car's out of gas. And I started it and I started praying. I was like, Lord Jesus, you're going to have to help this car get to the gas station because it was on zero miles. And I think they asked me to do it because they know if I don't make it, I'll push the car. Like, I'm making it to this gas station. But we've all been that way. We're like, I'm just empty. I got nothing. And, and, and God is faithful to fill us. He, he tells us in Matthew 5 that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They will be filled. And when we call out, I'm thirsty in my spirit. I'm thirsty. I, I need something. I, I'm, in, I'm lacking. Or maybe you're not in a, in a need, but maybe life just feels like it's missing substance. That there's water, but it's not living water. It's what Jesus told the woman at the well when they have this exchange of conversation. Jesus asks a Samaritan woman for a drink. And, and she says, she gives him a look, I'm sure, because of you know, the situation. But she's like, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, we don't, we don't even talk to each other. And you're asking me to get you a drink? And he says, woman, if you knew who was asking, you'd be asking me for something to drink and I would give you water that would satisfy your soul and you would never thirst again. I'm sure there was a look again when she says, you're saying you can give me some of this living water, but you don't even have a bucket to get anything out of the well. See, Jesus is that living water. He says, streams of living water flow through me. And when we find ourselves at a point where, where we're just desperate and we call out to God, he says, I will fill you. I am faithful and I will fill you up. And then the, the, the third word, the third phrase, if you read down just another verse in John 19, verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. I think this was a cry of victory. And it's important to note, you've got to understand, Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it. So, so what is it? It is everything that he had come to this earth to do. It is sin being finished, death being finished, 
and him completing and fulfilling the mission that he was born to do. And that was to die on a cross of Calvary and to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Because you see, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. There can be no forgiveness of our sin. There's nothing we can do to earn this. It is only through his gift of his blood. And he said, it is finished. I've completed the task that you set before me, God. It's done. If you want a better translation of it is finished, it means paid in full. It's paid for. The sin of the past, the sin of the present, and the sin of the future. Every sin is paid for. I've taken care of it. Our responsibility in this is to accept it, is to receive it, and let his life change ours. Let his death change ours. Let him change everything we are. You see, we get in this idea of this this dual personality. It's exhausting, honestly. Um, I call it churchiness. And if if you're here at the creek and you deal with this, we, we, we tend to approach this as baggage and we try to help you with it. But it's trying to live as though it's not finished when Jesus said it's finished. It, I, for me, let, me, let me better illustrate that. Because instead of churchiness, let's look, think of it as a gym mentality. When I go to the gym, I'm sucking it in, shoulders back, and I'm strong, right? I know I'm, I'm just throwing a lot of you guys under the bus because we all do this. But we suck it in, and we go in, we do our workout, and then we get in the car, and we're just like, oh, I mean, boom. I mean, I've got a pretty good-sized gut. But I'm good at sucking it in. Matt, I don't understand this. I suck it in so much. I should have perfectly toned abs. I mean, I, I get a, it's like a 24-hour ab workout. But no, 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 no. I was telling somebody in the lobby last night, there's a six-pack. It's just in a refrigerator. You know, I got to keep it cold. But what Paul explains about this idea of old and new is that when we put our faith in Christ, when we put our trust in him, that the... We have been crucified with Christ. So everything about our old nature and all of our past and all of our sin has been dealt with at the cross of Christ and through his blood. And then Paul goes on to explain that we have been given new life in Christ and we can live in that newness of life. We can live in that new nature because we live with this realization. Jesus said it and it's true. It is finished. And our declaration of it is finished means I'm going to live in the new life and not try to struggle with the balance of the old. I'm going to be who Jesus created me to be, and I'm not going to spend my time being exhausted trying to be somebody I'm not. It is finished. And then he ends with Luke 23, 46, when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is his cry of resignation. He's saying, Father, I trust you with everything I've endured and I trust you with my future. Everything I put in your hands. And I think this Easter is a reminder for us. The question is, have I put my life in God's hands and am I staying there? Because I have a great ability to say, here you go. No, I want it back. No, here you go. I can't handle this. Take it. I want it back. And it's interesting that we tend to miss the purpose and the reason for the cross because these aren't the famous last words of Jesus. If they were, they'd be the thoughts of a dying man. But he had some things to say after his resurrection, one of which was what we have as the Great Commission. 
And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all of my commands. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. He tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria to the ends of the earth. You see, he's got a purpose and a reason for our life. And then you fast forward, the very last chapter, the very last book in the Bible, Revelation 22. The words recorded of Jesus, the spirit and bride say, come. And then he closes with, behold, I'm coming soon. Today may be the day that that through my words, my words aren't famous, but through the famous words of Jesus on the cross, he may be calling you to come. There's some other famous last words I want to share with you because beside Jesus on either side were two thieves that were being crucified for their crimes. And one was hurling insults and saying, if you really are the son of God, then you take yourself down off that cross and save yourself and save us. And the other thief rebuked him and said, you don't know what you're saying. We're here because our crimes deserve this punishment. This man has done nothing deserving of death. He's recognizing the spotless lamb that he is without blemish. And he struggles with these words. Crucifixion was a painful death. He actually died of suffocation. And to try to speak in this was almost impossible. But he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, take yourself off the cross and go to church. Take yourself off the cross and go get baptized. Take yourself off the cross and tithe. I'm a pastor. That's all we talk about. So I got to get that in somewhere, right? Today you will be with me in Paris. I believe salvation came to a thief on the cross. And I believe salvation can come today to us. Now Jesus didn't fix his situation. Jesus stayed on the cross. And that thief died on his cross. I can tell you this. There is a reunion in paradise because Jesus is trustworthy. And I'm going to pray for us. And, and the challenge for you is come. Let your famous last words today, maybe I surrender it to you, Jesus. It is finished. It might be the first time you've ever trusted him. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. And that's what I've just explained to you is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for you. Or maybe you walked with him and walked away from him. I want to challenge you to come back. Put your life back in his hands. And our prayer team is coming forward and they're going to be here to pray with you. They love you and they will pray with you. And I want to challenge you, come. Father, we love you. We thank you for this Easter. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for your words because they are life. We thank you for the good news, which is the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. And Father, I pray for salvation to visit today. I pray for courage to visit today. 
so that the steps can be taken and we can listen and obey your word when you say come. We love you and we thank you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.